Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The city had always been my domain, its streets familiar like old friends. I was Officer Robert Hastings, a name that carried weight among my fellow officers. My years on the force had forged a reputation for fearlessness in the face of danger, a reputation that had become part of my identity. But little did I know that one fog, shrouded evening, would redefine my understanding of danger and test the limits of my courage. It was a night like any other, routine in its unpredictability. My partner and I had just settled into our patrol car, the engine's hum and the flickering neon lights casting an eerie glow. The radio crackled to life with a call that seemed unremarkable at first, a noise complaint originating from an abandoned warehouse in the old industrial district. The place had been closed for years, a relic of a past era forgotten by most. Its walls whispered stories of manufacturing and labor, now shrouded in shadows and mystery. 
The fog hung thick in the air as we approached the warehouse, its looming silhouette a stark contrast against the dimly lit surroundings. As we drew closer, a sense of unease settled over us, carried by the wind that seemed to carry faint whispers. It was as if the very walls held secrets, and the air itself was reluctant to let them go. My partner and I exchanged glances, acknowledging the eerie ambience that enveloped us. Ignoring the discomfort, we entered the warehouse, flashlights cutting through the oppressive darkness. The beams of light danced along the aged machinery and rusted equipment, creating an otherworldly dance of shadows. We walked cautiously, our footsteps echoing against the cold, hard floor. That's when things took a turn for the inexplicable. Footprints materialized before us, leading to nowhere, as if they were ghostly imprints of a long-forgotten past. Doors slammed shut of their own accord, a cacophony that reverberated through the silence. Flickering lights seemed to respond to our presence, casting eerie glows that played tricks on our senses. Deeper into the warehouse we ventured, the whispers growing louder, almost tangible now. Indiscernible words brushed against our ears, carried on the wind like haunting echoes of distant conversations. The air grew heavy with anticipation, and a cold gust swept through the room, extinguishing our flashlights and plunging us into an abyss of pitch darkness. Panic surged within me, a primal fear that gripped my very core. But amidst the chaos, a sensation cut through, an icy grip on my shoulder. My heart raced, and I spun around, ready to confront whatever was behind me, my flashlight trembling in my hand. But there was nothing just the empty darkness that seemed to stretch on forever. My partner's voice trembled as he confirmed feeling a similar otherworldly touch. With trembling hands, we managed to relight our flashlights, the beam slicing through the darkness once more. And then we saw it, a sight that would forever be etched into our memories, haunting our dreams. A shadowy figure stood just beyond the reach of our lights, its form contorted and unnatural like a distortion of reality. It seemed to observe us, its presence radiating malevolence that seeped into our very souls. As we stepped closer, our flashlights trembling in our hands, the figure dissolved into thin air, leaving behind only an unsettling chill that seemed to hang in the very atmosphere. We stared at the spot where it had stood, our breaths caught between disbelief and dread. We rushed out of the warehouse, our hearts pounding in our chests, our minds racing to comprehend the inexplicable encounter we had just survived. The noise complaint had been forgotten, replaced by the surreal reality we had witnessed. Back at the precinct, fueled by a desperate need to understand, we delved into the history of the warehouse. What we discovered sent shivers down our spines. The warehouse had once been the site of gruesome murders decades ago, a dark past that had left an indelible mark on the place. As we pieced together the puzzle, my partner and I couldn't shake the feeling that we had crossed paths with the lingering spirit of a victim, forever trapped within the walls of that forsaken building. The haunting of Precinct 13, as the incident would come to be known among our colleagues, became more than a story to us. It was a reminder that the shadows held secrets we couldn't always explain, that the night held terrors beyond our comprehension. It forever changed my perception of reality, challenging my courage and leaving me with a lingering unease. 
a haunting awareness that the line between the living and the unknown was thinner than I had ever imagined. I used to work as a police officer, but I left the job about a year ago to pursue my passion for outdoor activities. So last summer, I went on a camping trip with a group of friends to the Illahai Flat near Roseburg. We were having a great time enjoying the beautiful scenery and the peace and quiet of the forest. But then something strange happened. We were all gathered around the campfire, chatting and roasting marshmallows, when we heard a rustling in the woods. At first, we thought it was just an animal, but then we saw a huge creature emerge from the trees. It was a Bigfoot, at least. That's what it looked like to me. It was about three, four hundred feet away, but even from that distance, I could see it clearly. It was walking on two legs, just like a human, and swinging its arms as it moved. It was a surreal sight, and I could feel the hair on the back of my neck standing up. There were twelve of us there, and we all saw the creature. Some of us were scared, while others were just fascinated by the sight. We watched as the Bigfoot crossed a six-hundred-foot-wide clearing, then disappeared into the woods on the other side. After the creature had gone, half of the people at the campsite left that night. I don't blame them. It was a strange and unsettling experience, one that I'll never forget. As a police officer, I've seen some weird things in my time. But this was something else entirely. I've never seen anything like it, and I'm not sure I want to again. I was bow hunting with my husband, father-in-law and 14-year-old brother-in-law. We had just set out on our evening hunt, having arrived at camp the day before. We split into two groups. My husband and I headed uphill, my father-in-law and brother-in-law downhill. An hour or so after we split up, my husband and I heard a scream below us and seemingly centered in heavy area of brush trees in a hollow at the base of the hill. The scream was long and very guttural. The hair stood up on our necks. We went to locate father-in-law and brother-in-law. Upon meeting them, they told us that they too had heard it. My young brother-in-law was more than a little shook up. His dad had left him near a tree to see if he could jump some elk towards him. Both were very close to the sound since they had been downhill from us. My brother-in-law felt it was very near to him and was very relieved when his dad showed up to check on him after hearing the scream. We spent a little time that night trying to determine what it was. My husband and father-in-law have spent most of their lives hunting, fishing, and camping in various areas of Oregon, this one in particular. They hadn't heard anything like it. It was too deep for cat, and my father-in-law swears it wasn't a bear. I listened to the tape on your site, and although it was familiar, the sound I heard was a little deeper and more guttural. I used to work as a police officer. I'm from France, so that's where all this takes place. I quit the job about five years ago. My mother's health was declining fast at the time, and I needed more time to take care of her, and my mother passed away not even a year after that. But I've not returned to the job to this day. I don't plan on going back at all, partly because of the weird things I'm about to tell you about. I was out one night, 
and the person I was with, well, we were not the best of friends. I felt like he was too aggressive and rude with people, not the type of person you want to have power over others. I'm basically saying that he was a prick who thought he was better than everybody, and everybody made sure to abuse his position of power whenever he could. Nobody really liked working with him. He was every bad picture you could want to paint. Sexist, racist, very homophobic, and a narcissist. Imagine how he acted around me. I knew that he despised me. It called my life choices disgusting multiple times. This might sound really strange, but I feel like everything he said was questionable or downright awful. Sometimes it was his glass falling off the table and breaking. Sometimes it was his car alarm going off. And sometimes there were random noises around him, like random screaming. This one time we had heard random shots next to us when we were investigating a robbery, and he couldn't help but say some horrible stuff about the black woman and her child living there. I really don't know how to explain it. It's like something was following him around and bowling him. He completely ignored it, though pretended like we were just imagining things. There was no way he didn't see it. It wasn't karma. It was something bad like an entity. I knew that it made all of us feel uncomfortable and kind of scared in some way. It was freaky, and that one night I was working with him was the most confusing night of my life. He was exceptionally grumpy that evening and made sure to show me throughout our entire shift. He kept on complaining about his family, his neighbors, and our colleagues, and gossiping to my face. I tried my best to ignore him, but it began getting out of hand. He was really starting to piss me off. Throughout the night, there were several small incidents that happened, some small and not too worrisome, but some were really scaring me. The first thing that happened in the car was the radio all of a sudden turning up in static. He turned it down and continued driving as if he didn't think it was weird. After a little while, during one of his obnoxious rants, his coffee cup flew out of the cup holder towards him. This one scared me. It obviously couldn't have fallen out of the cup holder. It was basically launched at him. Again, he didn't seem to care at all and continued talking. After that, it was quiet for a while. Not that many people were out and about on the streets. So the shift was more calm. Everything turned around after that, though. It just got way worse. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw something running from the side of the road right in front of our car. We hit the brakes, and before he could come to a stop, you could feel that we had hit it. What I saw looked like a black cat, so I just assumed we had killed it. I was surprised by him breaking. I didn't think he's the type of person that cared about that. You'd almost expect him to drive faster for something like that. We both got out of the car to see what happened, but to our surprise, there was nothing. I was sure that we had hit an animal. We both did, and he was just as confused as I was, but said the animal had probably been able to get away from the vehicle. That maybe we had just hit something else. And none of this made sense whatsoever. We got back into the car. We were both very quiet at this point. After a couple of minutes, I almost launched out of my seat. My partner hits the brakes out of the car out of nowhere. We come to a stop, and I asked him what had happened. Now he looked scared. I had not seen him act like this ever, so it worried me. He told me that whilst we were driving, he sees a light behind the car. 
So he looks into the rearview mirror, and what he had seen terrified him. In the back seat of the car, according to him, was a woman dressed in all black. She stared right at him with a straight face. He said he immediately pushed the brakes, and when he looked back up, she was gone. I could tell that he was not okay at all. As soon as he told me this, I saw somebody standing to the other side of the road from the corner of my eye. I soon turned around to look from there. They were then gone. I cannot tell you how uncomfortable I felt. Seeing him being equally as freaked out as I was made it worse. He had ignored everything up until this point, but could not ignore what we had seen that night. We didn't talk about it after. You'd expect something like that to change a person. And after a couple of days of him being more quiet, he went back to his old ways. So this guy and his partner get called to this woman's house. She is hysterical, terrified out of her mind. Both of the officers are trying to calm her down enough for her to tell them what is wrong. Finally, she catches her breath and tells them that he is coming to get her. The officers ask who he is. The lady starts flipping out again. They get her calmed down again and ask her who she believes is trying to hurt her. Her answer, Mr. Freeze. Yes, the Batman villain. So the officer who told me this story looks at his partner, who just sighs and starts to radio in a false alarm. But then the lady starts freaking out again, talking about how Mr. Freeze is coming. So my buddy grabs a woman and tells her it's okay. He tells her he can't believe she doesn't know about Mr. Freeze's weakness. He tells his partner to give him all the change in his pockets, and he does. My buddy starts digging through the change to find quarters. Each time he finds one, he throws it into a corner of the room until all the corners had a quarter in them. Then he tells the woman she is safe because Mr. Freeze can't come into a room that is secured in this way. He gave the woman rest of the change and left. They never got another call from this lady. I have worked in law enforcement for the past 20 years. I began working for the sheriff department, later moving to local police. I now work for the state police. But the following story happened during my time in local police department. For a period of time, I worked on patrol, usually spent most of my time on duty in the car or just generally outside. I used to work the night shift for a very long time, but it did get a little lonely at times. I would clock in at 10 p.m., and specifically this one night, my department sent me into a part of the city that I rarely ever went to. It was mostly peaceful, especially during the night, so I thought this would be a quiet shift. I slept well before coming to work, so with some coffee, I was pretty well rested and alert and ready. It became a habit of mine, so much that I had trouble staying awake for those rare occasions I worked morning shifts or during the day. I was also a single man at the time, so I could very easily adapt to my schedule, whatever my supervisor needed me to do. I clocked in that night, and everything was going smoothly. Most of the people were still awake and out and about, most returning to their homes, calling it a night. The first couple of hours passed pretty quickly. At around 12.30, it became very quiet. I kept driving around the city and checking that everybody was getting out of the streets. I drove for about an hour or two, and I came upon a group of kids, about five teenagers, sitting in a park smoking cigarettes. 
After telling them to go home and quit smoking, I moved on with my job. A few blocks away, I came across a man stumbling in the street. I stopped next to him, asking him if he was okay or needed help. He told me that he'd had a bit too much to drink, but he was on his way home. Apparently, he lived across the street from where I stopped him. I let him go, watching him get inside. It took him a couple of minutes, but he eventually made it inside. I was on my way once again. This time of the night, we would usually receive complaints of loud parties, sometimes domestic disturbances. Tonight, however, was a bit different, and quite frankly, I was getting more bored by the minute. I heard some partners of mine go out and purposely try to open the doors of various businesses, making sure they're properly locked. I was considering trying it to pass the time. If I had managed to get into the building, then I would have found a weakness and informed the owners. I was about to park my car and go out to check on a store when I heard the dispatcher calling out to everybody. I responded to the call. She reported that there had been a strange person wandering the streets, moving from alley to alley. My initial thoughts were it was probably somebody who was intoxicated. I would have to take him home or put him in the drunk tank. Well, I was very, very wrong. I arrived at the scene where they were last seen. It was a really cold night outside, and I was beginning to wonder if they had fallen asleep in one of the three small alleys right beside the main road. I decided to search each of them, starting from the first one. I drew out my gun and a flashlight and entered the first alleyway. It was pitch black. I shook a light in and saw that it was short and it ended with a wall. There was nobody there. I moved on to the second one. It was similar to the first, except this one had a few trash cans. I slowly moved towards them. I slowly moved towards them. They looked like drops of blood around them. I'm still not sure what the dark liquid was, but it looked like blood to me. I reported what I saw and moved to the final alleyway. I know that by this point, whoever it was was probably gone, but I had to take a look. I walked into the third alley and was genuinely surprised to find somebody there. I suspected that it had been the person reported. I announced myself and approached them. It was a tall, skinny man. He was bald and very pale. He was also hiding his face, but not in a way to hide his face from me and more like covering his eyes because the bright light bothered him. I managed to get a glimpse of his left eye. I think that my shock encouraged him to show me his entire face. I calculated my mistakes here as well as my opportunities for the course of action. My first mistake was that he was not a he in the first place, or even human. He had bright yellow eyes and a large mouth with multiple sets of sharp teeth protruding out. Look, my sister is really into Halloween and contact lenses for various costumes. I can tell a contact lens from a real eye. They were real and glowing. He or it opened its mouth and I could see it also had these two fang-like teeth. My guess is that the blood I found before came from this person or creature or it. I also guess it was hurt. I had a feeling that human flesh was on its menu, but it had not yet attacked me. I heard my backup come right before alleyway, and I slowly backed out to meet them, carefully keeping my eye on it. However, I took my eyes off it for roughly ten seconds when my colleagues and I walked into the alleyway, and whatever you want to call it was gone. I don't know how it could have slipped up so fast, but it did. 
Instead, I took a sample of that blood-like liquid from before and took it to our labs for testing. The results came back really messed up. It was inconclusive. It appeared to be unidentified DNA. It's been about six or seven years since the incident, but the memory of it still sends chills down my spine. The area around Lost Lake in Oregon has grown and changed over the years, but I can still recall that fateful day as if it were yesterday. I'd set up camp at Lost Lake and spent my days exploring the beautiful surroundings as I had done countless times before. On this particular day, I was hiking around the area, and I came across a small creek crossing in a little ravine about 200 yards behind the local store. As I stood there, I found myself gazing at what appeared to be a fallen tree, with a broken stump about six feet up. There were some odd features on it, dark patches that resembled eyes and arms coming across a leg as if someone was sitting in a crouched position. It was around 3 p.m., so I figured the strange appearance could have been due to the lighting and the shadows cast by the trees. Still, I thought it looked cool and wanted to capture the scene with my camera. I didn't have my camera with me, so I placed a pile of rocks directly across from the fallen tree to mark the spot and ran back to my campsite to grab it. It took me about 15 minutes to retrieve my camera and return to the location. Upon arriving back at the spot, I immediately noticed that my pyramid of rocks had been knocked over. A sudden sense of unease washed over me as I scanned the area. To my disbelief, the fallen tree that I had seen earlier was gone. No branches, no stump, nothing worth taking a picture of. Confused, I searched the area, thinking that perhaps I was looking at it from the wrong angle. However, the only thing I found across the creek was a completely ordinary scene that couldn't have been what I had seen earlier. A few days later, I returned to Portland, or Oregon, and the incident was mostly forgotten. That is, until I saw a news report stating that there had been sightings of Bigfoot in the same area where I had been camping. The realization hit me like a ton of bricks. Had I unknowingly stumbled upon a Bigfoot resting in the woods, and had it knocked over my pile of rocks to erase any trace of its presence, I couldn't shake the feeling that something extraordinary had happened and the thought of it made my heart race with both excitement and fear. I have never gone camping at Lost Lake again. The memory of that day, the strange fallen tree that vanished, and the unsettling news report will forever haunt me. While working as a park ranger, I had an experience with the supernatural. It was a scary ordeal. I must confess, a group of hikers had gotten lost in the woods, and my fellow rangers and I had decided to scout out the area. We got the general direction from the report that was made by their own families. Heading off in the direction, we drove until we got to the entrance of the woods, where they at last made contact with their families, according to the report. We parked the car just outside the woods and proceeded to search for them. We had searched for a better part of the day without anything to show for it. It was late in the evening already, and we had walked deep into the woods. I was feeling uneasy with every step we took. It was as if there was a terrifying monster hidden within the woods. A sense of terror suddenly engulfed me, making me break out in cold sweat. 
I glanced at my colleague, who seemed to have sensed nothing, as his expression was as usual. I could not put my finger on it, but something eerie was happening in the woods. Suddenly we began seeing strange markings, words written in an unknown language, different depictions on trees. What was strange was the fact that my colleague, for some reason, was unaware of everything. It was like he was in another dimension. He was detached from his surroundings. It was in that moment that it hit me, a dimension. Had he mistakenly stepped into a dimensional portal? Was that how hikers had gotten lost? Had they stepped into it as well? If they had, that would explain the disappearance and why we were unable to find traces of them. It was, of course, a mind-blowing theory, so I wanted to test it out. I moved closer to my colleague, attempted to touch him. My hands went right through him, like he did not exist. I could see him, but I couldn't touch him, and I called out his name, hoping to get his attention and alert him to the danger we were in. I called out his name several more times, even radioed him, yet he continued walking deeper into the woods like a puppet on its string being pulled. After my futile attempts, I proceeded to search for the missing party on my own. I came across so many skeletons and bones piled up into a small mountain. At this point, the terror in my heart had reached its peak. I resisted the urge to scream. I beat a hasty retreat and stepped on numerous bones in the process. What scared me was that the bones did not let out the usual crunch sound after being stepped on. Rather, they simply crumbled into dust. I cannot help but wonder how long these bones had been buried there. This took my mind to the missing hikers. Were they already bones, or were they alive like me, terrified and hopeless? I was at my wit's end already, and I could not help but feel despair. I glanced at my wristwatch to check the time, but what I saw shocked me. Time moves faster here. I had barely spent two hours in the woods, yet my wristwatch was displaying a date that was two days ahead. Two hours equal, two days here. At this rate, my lifespan would run out before whatever was lurking around would kill me. At this point, all I had in my mind was how to escape this hellhole that I had somehow gotten myself into. All thoughts of searching and rescuing the lost hikers did not cross my mind at this point. All I could think of was how to get out of my situation. My mind was in chaos, disoriented, and I could not think straight. Just when I thought things could not get any worse... I began hearing voices, and the feelings of being stalked overwhelmed me. I could feel something or someone watching me, and the thought of that made me panic. There was nothing scarier than the unknown, especially in a place such as this. I kept on walking, and my nerves were taut and on edge, ready to react to any situation. I moved on without a sense of direction, hoping to luckily find an exit or something. Glancing at my wristwatch, I saw to my utter dismay I had spent close to a week now trapped in this place. While I was aware that time was moving faster, things would be different as long as I found an exit. It did nothing to comfort me. I had no idea when I would find an exit out of this dimension. By the time I had spent a couple of months, I, through a stroke of luck, was able to find a way out. The moment I stepped out, my walkie talky buzzed incessantly. People had been trying to reach me, and even my colleague. I radioed my colleague, but got no reply. I knew he was still trapped in there, and there was no hope for him to get out. He was not even aware. 
My story caused a sensation, and I was rushed to the hospital for tests and examinations. The doctor confirmed that my cells had gone through rapid aging, and my cells had grown older than they should have. I would have had to have been placed on a special diet to prolong my lifespan. A few weeks later, the missing hikers were found. However, all of them had lost their youthful appearance, which further boosted the authenticity of my story. Despite getting intensive medical care, all hikers died mysteriously afterwards. My colleague disappeared, and I was told to keep quiet. The entire case was shut down before the press could even get out, and no public knowledge ever became aware. It was a beautiful summer day, and my cousin Jay and I were driving my BMW through the forest near Lava Butt. We hadn't seen each other in a while. Since he lived in another town, so we decided to get out of the city for a bit, have a few beers, and enjoy the great outdoors. We drove to a spot the locals called the Foundation, a concrete fire pit on the south side of Green Buttock. After hanging out there for a while, we decided to drive around to the other side of the butte to watch the sunset across the lava flow. The road was narrow, sandy and winding, with tall manzanita brush on both sides. We went as far as we could in the car until the road turned into nothing more than a trail. I found a place to turn around and back the car as far down as it would go before parking. Jay and I decided to walk down the trail a bit to get a better view of the mountains and lava flow. We were only about five minutes into the hike when I started hearing things. Now I should mention that I grew up in central Oregon and have spent a lot of time in the woods alone, hiking, hunting, and logging for five years. I am not easily spooked, nor am I paranoid. As we continued walking, the sounds became more distinct, and I could tell that Jay was starting to notice them, too. We exchanged glances, unsure of what was causing the noises. That's when we saw Park Ranger Colin approaching us on the trail. Hey, folks, Colin greeted us with a friendly wave. How are you enjoying your hike? We told him about the sounds we were hearing, and he listened intently, nodding as we spoke. I've heard similar reports from other hikers lately, he admitted. Some believe it could be wildlife, while others think it might be something more. Mysterious. As we continued talking, Colin shared stories of strange occurrences in the area, from unexplained footprints to odd noises in the night. Although he didn't seem overly concerned, he suggested that we stick together for the remainder of our hike, just in case. As the sun began to set, we reached an open area that provided a breathtaking view of the mountains and lava flow. We stood there, taking in the beauty of the landscape as the sky turned brilliant shades of orange and red. After the sun had disappeared below the horizon, we made our way back to the car under the watchful eye of Park Ranger Colin. The mysterious sound seemed to have stopped, and we felt a sense of relief as we reached the car. Before saying goodbye, Colin advised us to be cautious and report any unusual experiences to the park rangers in the future. We thanked him for his help. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Help and reassurance, and then Jay and I headed back home. Though the strange sounds in the forest remain unexplained, the memory of that day serves as a reminder of the beauty and mystery that can be found in nature. And to this day, whenever I venture into the woods, I can't help but think of Park Ranger, Colin, and the eerie sounds we heard near Lava Boot. I am Whitehawk, a young tribesman living in a lush, untouched forest, where my people thrive in harmony with nature. We have always respected the balance of the land, taking only what we need and giving back to the earth in return. However, a sinister force has disturbed the peace we have known for so long. Recently, our skilled hunters have begun to mysteriously vanish during their expeditions, leaving our tribe in fear and confusion. The disappearances have caused a great deal of unrest among our people, and as our food supply dwindles, we grow desperate for answers. One night, our spiritual leader had a vision that revealed the presence of an unknown predator stalking the woods. With my tribe's survival at stake, I knew I had to take action. I decided to volunteer to confront this predator and save my people. On my journey, I ventured deeper into the forest than any of our people had ever gone before. As I followed the trail of the missing hunters, I discovered that the predator was not an ordinary beast, but a shape-shifting creature called a skinwalker, born of an ancient curse that had been awakened. This malevolent being was responsible for the disappearance of our hunters and the chaos that had engulfed our once peaceful community. Determined to defeat the creature and restore balance to the forest, I sought the guidance of a wise elder who lived at the edge of our territory. She shared with me the story of the skinwalker and gave me a mystical artifact imbued with the power to protect me from its dark influence. She also taught me to harness my own spiritual power, which would be essential in my battle against the skinwalker. Armed with this newfound knowledge and the powerful artifact, I set out to confront the creature. The skinwalker was a formidable foe, able to change its form at will and prey upon the fears of its victims. However, with the help of the artifact and my own spiritual strength, I was able to resist its attempts to manipulate me and weaken its hold on the forest. The battle was long and arduous, but in the end I emerged victorious. I had defeated the skinwalker, lifting the ancient curse and restoring balance to the forest. With the predator vanquished, our hunters were able to safely venture into the woods once more, and our tribe could return to the harmonious life we had known for generations. As I returned to my people, I was hailed as a hero. But I knew that it was not just my own strength that had led to our victory, but the wisdom and power of those who had come before me. We had all played a part in restoring the balance of the forest, and we would continue to honor the sacred bond we shared with the land and the spirits that guided us. Once my mom and I were driving to Las Vegas from Santa Clarita. We were just passing Barstow and on the I-15. It was right about high noon and very hot. Not a cloud in the sky. 
She had a fancy Lexus at the time with a touchscreen console on the dash that could play DVDs while driving. I remember we were on a long stretch of road with a lot of space between cars on the highway. One minute we see nothing ahead of us, and then all of a sudden, a woman was walking across the highway right in front of our vehicle. My mom swerved behind her and barely missed her. She pulled off to the shoulder, and we look behind us, and we see her go all the way across the highway, including westbound traffic. Then she turned around and walked all the way across again, each time nearly getting clipped by an unsuspecting and oncoming car like ourselves. At one point, a semi-truck almost hit her head on missing her by literally one step. Each step she took was a steady and confident step looking ahead of her and never batting an eye to any oncoming traffic. She was barefoot, mind you, and walking on the boiling asphalt with zero sense of urgency. So my mom calls 911. We're directed to Highway Patrol. They say they've received numerous reports and they're headed out to it. My mom decided after hanging up to slowly reverse down the shoulder to get a better look and see if she's okay. Yes, I know. Stupid in more than one way. As we get to a spot behind her now, she's crossed the highway and is now in front of our vehicle. This part I will never forget. The woman slowly turns her head and looks at us and is now slowly but steadily walking towards our car. She was white as day in every way. White nightgown, pale, dry, wrinkled skin, white hair, and the palest bluish-gray eyes I've ever seen and barefoot almost looked like a walking dead version of Rose Dawson from Titanic. I was in the passenger seat, which was on the shoulder. When my mom made eye contact, she froze, absolutely shut down. I remember the woman walking so close to my door. I could see her eyes make contact with mine. It looked as if she was blind and lifeless, but could not just see me, but see into and through me like into my soul. I went cold immediately. She reached for my door handle, and I remember screaming at my mom to punch the gas, and without hesitation, she came to quick, and we peeled out of there. In the back window, I saw her watches speed off, and then continued across the road again. A mile down the highway, we called Highway Patrol to see what happened, and they didn't have a clue what we were talking about, and said they got no reports of a woman crossing the highway. My mom to this day still doesn't remember the time between when we reversed to when we dipped out. I have no idea what happened that day, except for what I witnessed and experienced. I was around 18 to 20 years old sometime in 2008 when my life took a turn towards the extraordinary. I was sitting in the back seat of the family car, cruising down the highway with my parents up front. The day was calm, and there was no wind to speak of, except for the air rushing past our car as we sped along at 60 miles per hour. As we drove between two large hills, each about 50 feet tall, I noticed something peculiar atop one of the hills. It appeared to be an all-black metallic structure, resembling a hot air balloon but with some significant differences. There was no basket, and the material seemed to be made of metal with a matted black finish that didn't reflect any sunlight. The strangest part was the way it moved. 
It zipped around like the UFOs you see in movies, going at least 100 miles per hour in different directions, turning upside down and sideways with incredible speed. My parents and I were not the only ones who noticed it. Several cars had pulled over to the side of the highway with people standing outside, staring in awe at the mysterious object. My mom and dad were just as baffled as I was, admitting that they had never seen anything like it before. My dad tried to rationalize it, suggesting that it might be a fallen weather balloon. But after searching for images of weather balloons on Google, we concluded that it looked nothing like one. Someone else I told this story to suggested that it could have been a broken hot air balloon, but the rigid metallic structure clearly ruled out that possibility. The sighting left a lasting impression on me, and over the years I've become more and more interested in uncovering the truth behind that mysterious object. I've attended UFO conferences, read countless books and articles, and even joined online forums dedicated to discussing sightings and encounters. Although I've heard many similar stories from people all over the world, I've never been able to find a definitive explanation for what I saw that day. The incident has left me with a sense of wonder and curiosity, pushing me to continue exploring the unknown and questioning the limits of human understanding. As the years have passed, I've come to accept that I may never know the true nature of that strange object on the hill, but the experience has shaped my life, opening my mind to the possibility that there are still mysteries out there waiting to be discovered. On Monday, May 9th, 2011, around 5.45 a.m., I was on my way to work, headed northbound into the village of New Miami on Seven Mile Avenue. I left the traffic light at the southernmost edge of town into a dark stretch of road when a large flying creature swooped in over my car and snatched up a small animal in the road ahead of me at the edge of my headlights. As a construction worker, I feel I can judge the size of objects fairly well. This creature had a wingspan of at least 12 feet and was jet black with a human figure. It completely blocked the view out of my windshield and then some and moved at a very high rate of speed. I was traveling between 35-40 miles per hour. It had to have been traveling at around 70-80 miles per hour. Like I stated before, it swooped down, grabbed the animal and was gone on over the trees very quickly. I've researched large predator birds and raptors indigenous to Ohio, and there are none that fit the description of what I saw. If you have any other questions about my experience, please feel free to email me back. It was June 15, 1994, a day that I still remember vividly. I was camping with my friends in the deep wilderness. The night had a coolness to it, the kind you only get when you're far away from the city lights and the sounds of civilization. There we were, tucked away in our camp when something happened that would stay with me forever. Around midnight, I heard the sound of a large animal walking through our camp. It was coming from the dense forest, its footfalls heavy and distinct. I knew enough about the wilderness to know not to provoke a large animal, so I stayed quiet, alert, and let it pass. I listened as the sound slowly receded, the animal moving away from our camp. 
At five in the morning, my campmates and I gathered around the smoldering embers of our fire, sharing our experiences of the previous night. One of them even accused me of being the animal, saying he had seen a human silhouette at the time we all heard the sounds. It was a ridiculous accusation, but it added to the eeriness of the situation. Half an hour later, I was about a mile downstream when I heard a loud commotion in the gravel of a ten-foot cut bank thinking it was my friend playing a prank. I walked towards the noise, but as I got closer, a horrific smell hit me, something I had never smelled before. It was pungent, rotting, far worse than any animal scent I had ever encountered, even worse than my old dog on his smelliest day. I picked up a few rocks and threw them towards the source of the sound, hoping to scare off whatever was there. But nothing moved, nothing ran off like a normal animal would. The smell hung in the air, the commotion stopped, and everything was eerily silent. I remember standing there, the hair on the back of my neck standing up, a chill running down my spine. I was an experienced camper, a seasoned hunter, but that day I encountered something that I couldn't explain, something that challenged my understanding of the natural world. It's an experience that I'll never forget, a story that I still tell around campfires under the starlit sky, reminding myself and others of the mysteries that the wilderness still holds. I've always had an affinity for the cold, which is why I sleep with the windows open, even in winter. My apartment is nestled high enough, about three stories off the ground, ensuring that the chill winds are my only nocturnal visitors. Where I live, deer move about mostly at night, and their soft footsteps rustling through the fallen leaves have become my usual lullaby. It was eerie at first, but over the years I've grown accustomed to it. One night, however, something sounded amiss. Amidst the usual patter of deer hooves, there was a new distinct rustle, something fast, something unnatural. A sudden alarm snort rang out, followed by frantic thuds, as if the deer were scattering in terror. Then came the barking, a cacophony of distress calls and sounds of dragging and snorting that sent shivers down my spine. Underneath my blanket, my palms were sweaty, my heartbeat echoing in my ears. I was paralyzed with fear, my mind conjuring up images of unknown horrors lurking beneath my window. The noises eventually faded into an eerie silence, and I mustered the courage to close the windows, barricading myself from the ominous unknown. Sleep came hesitantly, the echoes of the night's terror still fresh in my ears. When dawn broke, I ventured outside. There was little evidence of the nocturnal chaos just some fresh dirt displaced in the deer's frantic escape. But that night taught me some valuable lessons, ones that will forever resonate with me. Never venture into the woods without a lamp and a gun, and if you must, never go alone. The woods had their secrets, secrets that are best left undiscovered in the dead of the night. Growing up in the heart of rural southeast Kansas was an adventure in itself. My childhood was filled with the thrill of exploring the great outdoors, traversing the tall grass prairies, and adventuring into the unknown with my friend. 
Our ages ranged from 10 to 14, and our ventures were led by youthful curiosity, armed only with pellet and beep guns, and maybe a knife for good measure. On one such adventure, we set out after dusk towards a shallow creek that meandered through a small forest about a mile from my best friend's house. The thrill of the nocturnal expedition had his buzzing with excitement but that excitement was soon replaced with an unnerving sensation. The deeper we ventured into the woods, the more we felt an eerie sense of being watched, an inexplicable feeling that something was trailing us, hidden in the inky blackness of the night. Despite our efforts, we couldn't spot what was triggering our primal instincts. A sense of dread washed over us, and instinctively we huddled together, facing outward, each one of us on high alert. Deciding that we had had enough of the woods for the night, we bolted out of the forest, our feet crunching the dried leaves, hearts pounding. As we emerged into the tall grass prairie that led back to the house, I dared to glance back at the tree line. There I caught a glimpse of what seemed like a mountain lion's tail disappearing into a bush. The sight sent a shiver down my spine, and I quickly urged my friends to stay close as we made our way back home. Once safe, we confided in my friend's father, who worked for the local parks and rest department and was well acquainted with the fish and game personnel. Officially, we were told that there were no big cats in southeast Kansas. However, he shared that there had been some whispers about a potentially untracked male mountain lion in the area. From that day onwards, our adventures held a hint of trepidation a constant reminder of the wild and unpredictable nature of the world we so eagerly sought to explore. I was tree planting near Smithers, British Columbia, about an hour and a half into the mountains on dirt roads. I tried my best to just forget this incident even occurred, as I simply could not find a way to rationalize what happened. I don't care who believes me or not, by the way, but what happened is this. It was almost midnight, and I was trying to sleep in my tent. My tent was near a bunch of standing dead trees that would creak when the wind picked up, a very loud and distinct sound. Now, on this particular night, it was dead silent and still. I started to hear sticks cracking and steps being taken that slowly got closer over the course of about 15 minutes. It was loud enough I was certain there was a bear approaching my tent. It got so close that it had to be no further than 15 feet from my tent. Cracking sticks and padding around the forest floor, I decided to yell out very loudly. Silence. I was answered with nothing but deafening silence. No sound of the creature fleeing or doing anything at all. I sat in silence too scared to move, trying to rationalize to no conclusion. About twenty minutes of dead silence later, I heard the eeriest, unnatural, and unexplainable noise. It was the exact same timbre and volume and just basically the same sound as the trees outside creaking. But instead of being a regular creak, it began, and then held the exact same note of creak for a full five seconds or even longer. It was like an unnatural drone that was obviously not a tree creaking. There was not a hint of wind or any other trees creaking as per usual. I got barely any sleep and the next day was tough and I just had to forget about it. I didn't ever make the connection that skinwalkers are known to imitate sounds like that until a few weeks ago. 
This happened in July 2022. If anyone has had a similar experience or has any ideas of what this could have been, I'd love to hear. As of right now, the dreams have died down. But this is something that most people don't believe when I tell them this. A few months ago, I constantly had extremely agonizing migraines, followed with brain fog. This always happened at night, from what I can recall, and there was always an ammonious mechanical humming buzzing over the roof of my house. After the first few nights of this occurring, it had occurred again. But this time, I believe I had actually seen what the source of this sound was. What makes this more disturbing is that I live far from any other airports that may be in a dozen kilometer radius of the area I live in. I saw this colossal triangular aircraft with three red but dim lights on its corners. There were green stroking lights on its sides and white lights around the center of the structure. It moved quickly but allowed enough for me to notice it. Sadly, I was too slow to capture a photo of it before it got out of view. After this incident, I kept having extremely detailed dreams about these strange aircraft, one of which in particular was one of the most detailed ones. I was in my house with my mother, and suddenly I felt the urge to go outside and look at the sky. I had my camera with me, and when I had walked outside, I saw this huge triangular craft. I took a few photos of it, and when I went back inside, time had seemingly accelerated from dawn to sunset. I woke up from that dream with a short but excruciatingly painful migraine. The second dream took place in what looked like a UFO assembly line with some sort of gas giant outside a window in space or something. I was sitting in some sort of waiting room and a man dressed in what looked like some sort of spacesuit took me on a tour. I saw all sorts of UFO types, cross-shaped, dome, cigar, triangular, cube, etc. A few days after this dream, I had seen the strangest shit I had ever seen in my life. I am sorry if my grammar is bad while writing this because I'm currently on mobile. I was standing outside with my friends drinking some Sprite, and an hour after they left, I saw this rectangular, dark, metallic object with red lights on its corners hovering by the side of my roof. There was a glass panel on the side of it with something I can't recall what inside controlling it. I dropped my phone in horror before I could take a pick, but it didn't hit the ground. It felt like time stopped. I caught something moving in the corner of my eye. I glanced over to my left and saw this gray cylindrical thing with contorted legs and a horn with a glowing end on what would be its face. The way it moved will haunt me for a long time. It was jittery but disturbingly smooth as if it was rotoscoped into reality. After that time leaped forwards and it was as if I had been standing in that same position for an entire night. Walked in my house and immediately fell asleep. Tried to get my mind off what happened that night, but couldn't. I was not under any drugs or intoxication during this. I'm turning 30 in a few months, and I can still recall so vividly the three shadow people I encountered in my home somewhere between the ages of 8 and 12. A little background on me. I moved to a small town upstate, New York, at around seven years old. 
When this happened, my mother, who had recently just departed from my father, kicked him out LOL. My family had a weird vibe, pretty much. I wasn't close with my older sister, and we were one year apart. My youngest sister, I don't believe, was born yet, so it was just us three and my mom. My brother had a best friend that lived up the street, and I'd describe us as, Yeah, Dad and Eddie, LOL, just three young kids causing havoc around the neighborhood. Also, if it counts for anything, we grew up very Christian family, especially on Mom's side, but when we moved, we stopped going to church as often. One of my sweetest grandmother memories. I recall when I was young, before we would leave my grandmother's house in the city of New Rockio, she would anoint us with oil on our foreheads and say a prayer before we left to go back home, upstate. Anyway, I remember it being like any other day. We played outside, Game Boy Color or Advance, I don't know, traded Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards and just had fun all day long. We came in, showered, and settled down. I guess it was probably summer when school was out because I was up late and my sister was too, but I didn't know this at the time. My brother was knocked out next to me with his head facing the wall, and I was on the other edge of the bed with my head facing the door to his room, which was wide open. My brother and I were so close man, which explains why I was making myself comfortable in his room. It was pretty much a real brotherly bond, I would say, and I kind of get emotional thinking about it, because nothing was ever the same since that day. Anyway, I'm laying there just trying to go to sleep, I guess, and I just get this odd feeling that I'm being watched. All of the lights were off, and we were no longer in a city environment where there is light, even in darkness. Upstate N.U. is dark, dark when the lights go out, especially in the house. From my brother's doorway, the hallway made an L shape. If you turn right and walk down the hall, there was my sister's room, also my room at the time, or you can go straight ahead towards the stairs. Obviously, I'm staring straight ahead towards the stairs. I'm staring now because I can't sleep with this odd feeling, and within seconds, a tall shadow began to appear in the distance on the stairs, and it was freaky. Because, man, you can see the outline of this thing in the pitch-dark blackness. This thing was blacker than the blackness itself, and the eyes were the only thing that I could really see. His outline was tall. He had a tall hat, and he was just skinny with long-looking fingers. Now my heart is pounding, and I'm pretty much thinking WTF is going on. So I start blinking nervously because I didn't believe I was seeing this. As I blinked, the other two appeared closer than the last one. They were no longer on the stairs, but in the hallway. One wore a hood and carried what seemed like a stick, sort of like the Grim Reaper. And the other one was large, like wide and fat. The eyes were large and just gave me a bad-up feeling. I literally laid there in fear. And I tried to refrain from blinking at one point because it seemed like every time I blinked, they got closer. Promise you, the tears were flowing, and I made the mistake of blinking, and it was like they just appeared right in the doorway. And that's when I couldn't hold my fear in any longer, man. I let out the most excruciating scream. I was scared for dear life. I felt like those things were going to kill me. I just started screaming loud, and my mother was heavy-footed man. All I heard was her come stomping from her room at the end of the hall, and into the hall. 
She flipped on the hallway light switch and came running, stomping into the room. I swear it was like an elephant coming to save her baby man. My mom is such a graceful woman. I promise LOL. But I always remember her being so heavy-footed when she would move around the home, probably because she was often rushing everywhere. I guess raising kids will do that to you, LOL, but man that day felt like no other. She scooped me up and took me back to her room and was just consoling me, asking me what the hell happened. She was scared that I was scared, but I was out of it. It took me a while to calm down and explain to her what I saw. I wasn't only afraid of her reaction, but I was always a thinker back then and even now. I just thought at the time, even if I told her, what could she do? It's not like she could beat them up or something, because I knew that whatever those things were just wasn't from this world or realm. It was really odd and terrifying. It had to be like 2 or 3 a.m. at the time, and I remember her picking up the phone and calling my grandmother, who was and still is a hardcore Christian. She called and they spoke. I remember her trying to leave the room, and I would squeal because I didn't want to be left without the lights on. Her room light was still off, but she ended up turning it on for my comfort and leaving the room to speak to my grandmother. She came back shortly after with what I perceived as a bottle of water back then, but as I know now, it was holy water. I watched my mother bless her entire room and then leave her room to run through the entire home and bless it too. I saw her splashing the bottle on the walls and everything. I remember sleeping in my mom's room for months after that. I couldn't sleep anywhere else. I was traumatized. I never saw those things again after that day, but I had some wild experiences in life after that. The oddest thing was that my brother slept through it all, not waking up once. Doesn't recall a day or anything. Since then, he's had so many hardships in life and has been in and out of jail and crazy outbursts. I don't know if it's connected, but I just felt a shift in his being after that day. The next day, I remember having breakfast and my older sister asking me why I was screaming last night. Embarrassed, of course, LOL, I told her what I saw, but I was shocked when she just stared at me and said I saw it too. I remember thinking to myself, well, if you saw it too, then why the F wasn't you screaming? LOL, but I never discredited her nor mentioned it again. She just turned 30. One and I'm turning 30, as I told you above, so I'm thinking about revisiting this experience by calling her and asking her if she remembers, and I think it would be dope to get that moment on voice record. It's crazy because I recently revisited this conversation with my mother, and she confirmed it all and was surprised I even remembered. I couldn't forget something that traumatic. Remember I told you my brother had a best friend that lived up the street and we were all like Ed, Ed, Eddie and Eddie. Well, about two or three years ago, he came to visit me for an extended period of time. I was living in a TLL with my girlfriend in our new apartment. I made him comfy and at home, obviously, because he's my brother, too, just from another mother and father, Lowell. We then we started chatting about our childhood memories. Our adult relationship is completely different than our childhood ones. My brother and him are still best friends, but they are on two different paths in life. He now has a child and a long-term girlfriend. He moved across the country. He has a career, and he's doing really good for himself. My brother is still navigating life, 
Emotionally underdeveloped, I'd say, and a bit lost at the moment. So their relationship is more moral support. A friend that's going to always be there type thing, if that makes sense. Whereas him and I have the more difficult and in-depth conversations. I remember us talking about conspiracy theories, spirituality, political crap, our fathers being Freemasons and stuff like that, and it later led to talking about spirits and shadow people. I remember him telling me, man, just don't think I'm crazy when I tell you this, and then went on to tell me how he saw some tall figure in his house when he used to live up the street from me as a child. And for some odd reason at that time, I asked him if the figure was a skinny guy, and he said skinny with a tall hat and long fingers. I swear we both had like a twin telepathy moment, and at that moment we both knew that we experienced one of the same entities. He told me his story, and I told him mine, and we both just sat there disturbed. It was weird and creepy, and even unto this day, we phone each other up and talk about the crazy experiences we had and are still having in this world today.